as always, in the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. So, Lord, we do give you thanks for the uh, food that we shared and for our time together. We ask, Lord, that you continue to bless our day, that you continue to uh, say only good things, things we need to hear, things that will really help us. We ask, Lord, that you would show us your way of forgiveness and really speak to our hearts as we go through this teaching. And we pray this as we do all things through Christ our Lord. Amen. And amen. Okay, love is forgiving. So if you want to pull out your third teaching. Love is forgiving. And 1 Corinthians 13.5 tells us, Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs that others do. So this is a lot about this, that love doesn't keep a record. We don't keep count of. Sometimes you, you, you hear... Um, People say, particularly married couples, you know, they have one disagreement and then one or the other will bring up everything that's happened, like over the past year, two years, three years, you know, because, because they've held the wind to that. <laughs> no, right, it's the man. They held the wind to that, you know, and if you act as if everything's okay, but you're holding on to it inside, you know, it's bound to pop up and recreate itself. So... We have a forgiveness quiz here. So let's see what this is saying. So you want to circle whether you think this is true or whether you think it's false. A person should not be forgiven until he or she asks for it. True or false. Forgiving includes minimizing the offense and the pain caused. Forgiveness includes restoring trust and reuniting a relationship. You haven't really forgiven until you've forgotten the offense. And lastly, when I see someone hurt, it's my duty to forgive the offender. True or false? And what we'll do is as we move on through this teaching, we're going to come back to that and see how we fared with our trues and our falses. So first we're going to talk about what forgiveness is not. What it is not. First of all, forgiveness, and this is biblical forgiveness, forgiveness isn't conditional. In other words, it's not based on somebody else's response. Real forgiveness is unconditional. It's not earned. It's not deserved. It's also not bargained for. It's not paid for. It's not based on some promise that you'll never do it again. If you say to someone, I'll forgive you if, that's not forgiveness. That's called bargaining. I'll forgive you if you do this, that, or the other. That's not forgiveness at all. Genuine forgiveness is unconditional. Second, it isn't minimizing the seriousness of the offense. It's not saying, oh, it wasn't a big deal, or 
oh, it's okay, or, well, that, it really didn't bother me. It really didn't hurt me. Or if somebody tries to ask forgiveness, you say, oh, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. It didn't hurt. That's not forgiveness. We need to understand the difference between being wounded and being wronged. Those are two very different things. Being wounded is something that is accidental. Somebody hurts you accidentally. When you are wronged, they intentionally mean to hurt you. They intentionally mean to separate themselves from you. That's very different. When you are wounded, that does not require forgiveness. You're, when you're hurt, unintentionally, all the time. You just need patience and acceptance for that. In other words, when you're wounded, the person didn't mean to do it. It happened accidentally. They said something they didn't even realize was going to hurt you or did something they didn't realize was going to hurt you. And with that, we just need to have patience and acceptance of that person for who they are. But when you're wronged, that's an entirely different thing. When other people wrong you, that requires forgiveness. And we can see that, that difference. So forgiveness is not conditional. It's unconditional. And it's not minimizing the seriousness of an offense and saying it's not a big deal. It's taking the offense and talking it through with the person, communicating with them, trying to resolve the wrong and the reason for the wrong. It's getting to the root of what caused the offense to begin with. It's kind of like if you think about a weed and you pull up the weed. And maybe it looks like the weed isn't there, but you didn't get the root. The root of the weed is still down underneath. And sooner or later, because the root was not dealt with, the root was not pulled up, or the root was not revealed or spoken about, nine times out of ten, it will happen again. If you think about people, things that have been done that have, that have wronged you, you might think back and see where that wasn't the first time it happened. It may have happened before and before. And oftentimes that's because it wasn't uprooted. It was never discussed. There was never, um, there was never an agreement that was reached between the two people. There was never a chance to communicate and talk to one another. So we need to pull up that root, that, that, that root that is deep inside of us because of that hurt. Okay. Forgiveness isn't resuming a relationship without change. That's number three. It isn't resuming a relationship without change. Oftentimes people think, well, to forgive, I just act like nothing happened. We just pick up where we left off, do what we always used to do. And that's, that has nothing to do with forgiveness, and that is not forgiveness. It's one of the most misunderstood concepts about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not the same as restoring a relationship. Some of us are afraid to forgive because you're afraid you're going to have to go back with that person and you'll have to be their best friend again or you'll have to resume a relationship as you used to have with them. No, 
Restoring a relationship and forgiveness are two different things. The Bible teaches us that. Forgiveness is a decision. It's a decision that we make. It's not a feeling. It's not feeling all warm and fuzzy towards that person like you used to. It's not um, acting like it never happened and you're always dealing with the elephant in the room when you're with that person. It's like it's not talked about, it's not said, but, but you know that there's something, something undealt with there. And what needs to happen is trust has to be built in relationships such as that. And trust takes a long time to rebuild. The Bible teaches us that they are two different things, forgiveness and trust. Forgiveness takes care of the damage done. It just lets the person off the hook. You let them go. You don't hold it against them. You let them go. But it doesn't guarantee that the relationship will be restored. Forgiveness is your part in the reconciliation. When you forgive the offender who's hurt you. But for a relationship to be restored, the offender has to do things for you that are totally unrelated to forgiveness. One, they need to demonstrate genuine repentance for the woundedness, the hurt that they cause. They have to show that they're genuinely sorry before the relationship can be rebuilt. Genuine repentance, and that means a change in their way of relating to you, can only come in doing those things. They have to make restitution whenever possible for the damage done. Sometimes, you know, if it's not a case of restitution, sometimes it is. And the offender must rebuild your trust by proving that they have changed over time. So you see, it's not automatic when we're talking about the whole trust factor of forgiveness. So we're talking about totally different forms of forgiveness. If somebody repeatedly wrongs you over and over again, over a period of time, it may be somebody in your family or somebody at work, somebody who repeatedly offends you whenever you see them, you're obligated by God to forgive that person over and over but you are not obligated to trust that person or to restore the relationship to what it was before. So do we understand the difference between trust and forgiveness? It takes more than forgiveness to build a relationship. It takes trust. And trust is built over time. You might say, but wait, you're forgiving me. Can't we just go back to the way things were? No, you can't, because trust needs to be rebuilt. So forgiveness starts by making a choice. Forgiveness is not conditional. It is not minimizing the offense. It's not pretending it didn't happen. It's not saying it's no big deal. And it's not resuming a relationship automatically. Just saying, okay, everything's back to normal because you're forgiven without any, without any change. So in number four... Forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. The Bible says forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. Some of us have been afraid to forgive somebody who hurt us in life because you really don't want to forget it. You've all heard the cliche, forgive and forget. That sounds nice, doesn't it? It sounds so sweet. 
forgive and forget. The only problem is it's impossible to do. It's foolish and illogical. In the first place, it's impossible to try to forget something. You can try to forget anything, but when you're trying to forget something, what are you focusing on? The very thing you want to forget is where your focus is. And whatever you focus on, you tend to move toward. The fact is, your brain stores every single memory you've ever had. Doctors, brain surgeons, scientists know that if they were to open your brain and take a probe and stimulate a certain part, they can bring back every single memory you've had in vivid color. Your brain does not forget anything. It can be pushed down from the trauma or the hurt. It can be repressed. It can be put in the deep recesses of your mind and your heart. But your brain doesn't really forget anything. In fact, the only way to forget something is to replace it. You can't try to forget anything. You have to try to put something in its place. This is the difference between forgetting and forgiving and letting go. You remember it, but you let it go. The Bible talks about letting go of the pain, letting go of the hurt, letting go of the resentment, letting go of the bitterness, not holding on to it. But that's not forgetting because you never will forget. In fact, the more painful something has happened in your life, the more likely it is you're going to remember it. Some people think, when am I going to get to the point spiritually where I forget all those hurts? We're not going to get there. The key is not forgetting. The key is learning to see it through the lens of grace and through the lens of God's sovereignty and through the lens of how God can turn even bad things into good in your life if you trust him and you learn to respond in the right way. So it's not forgetting what happened. Number five, forgiveness is not my right when I wasn't the one that was hurt. So we want to fill that in. It isn't my right when I was the one who was hurt. Only the victim has the right to forgive. You can't forgive people who haven't hurt you. Some of you may remember a few years ago, a 14-year-old boy who shot and killed three high school girls in Kentucky. Before those girls had ever been buried, their bodies were probably still in the feudal power. Some well-meaning kid at the high school the next morning put a sign up for the killer and said, we all forgive you, Mike. Now, those kids meant well. They probably thought they were doing just the right Christian thing. But they didn't have the right to forgive because they weren't the victims. They weren't the ones hurt. How do you think that made the parents feel, the brothers and sisters of those girls that hadn't even worked through their own grief? Yet, they could come to a place of forgiveness themselves, but somebody was short-circuiting the system for them. Those high school kids had no right to forgive the boy that harmed them. They hadn't been the ones who were hurt. So we have to remember that, that we don't have the right to step out and forgive. 
when we're not the ones involved or that were hurt. When we try to do that, that shallow, faulty forgiveness, it's not our place. You can only forgive those who have hurt you, and others can only forgive those who have hurt them. It's meaningless to shortcut it. If somebody's house gets robbed, and I go to the robber and say, I forgive you, it didn't affect me. It didn't bother me. If forgiveness is none of these things, what is real forgiveness? Real forgiveness involves three steps. So first step. On the next page, you see what, it, you see what is genuine forgiveness. The word is relinquishing. So real forgiveness is relinquishing my right to get even. So we want to fill that in. My right, relinquishing my right to get even. Romans 12, 19 tells us, never avenge yourself. Leave that to God. He has said that he will repay those who deserve it. And in Hebrews 12, 15, be careful that none of you fails to respond to the grace which God gives. For if he does, there can very easily spring up in him a bitter spirit, which is not only bad in itself, but can also poison the lives of many others. So, let's talk about the relinquishing. Relinquishing my right to get even. You might say, if I give up my right to get even with somebody who's hurt me, that's not fair. How many times have we thought, this just isn't fair? Something happens, it's not fair. And you know what? Most of the time, it isn't fair. Sometimes it isn't fair. But the truth of the matter is that life is not fair, is it? Some children are born totally healthy to parents who really love them to parents who are able to care for them emotionally, financially, spiritually. Other children, not so much, not so blessed. Is that fair? Of course that's not fair. But we know those things happen. So we know that life is not fair. I remember hearing a teaching one time, and the only thing I remember about it was um, in the teaching this person is lamenting to God and saying, God, it's just not fair. It's just not fair. And they heard the Lord say to them in return, fair is your word, not mine. And I never forgot that because that struck home to me and as so true, that fair is our word. It's not the Lord's word. Forgiveness oftentimes is not fair. Forgiveness is called grace. And we talked this morning about how grace is unmerited favor. Forgiveness is something we or other people that we're forgiving do not earn, cannot buy, but it's unmerited. We freely give it because God has shown us unmerited favor. God has forgiven us. But the Bible does say that one day God is going to have the last word. One day. God is going to settle the score. One day, God is going to right the wrong, and one day, God is going to balance the ledger. So we let God settle the score. You forgive so there can be peace in your heart. You forgive so you can get on with your life, and you leave the justice part to God, who can do a better job of justice than us.
Okay. Now, if you look at number two, number two says responding. We respond to evil with good. So you want to put responding to evil with good. The Bible says it like this in Luke 6, 27, 28. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. The three important words in that scripture, and write these down because these are the three verbs, and verbs we know are action words. So that means we have to put some action into this, into this whole forgiveness uh, idea of how we need, we, and we all need to forgive in our life. None of us sitting here have ever not needed to forgive. We all at one point or another, some maybe more than others, need to forgive. Okay, so what is it saying? The three verbs. We need to do good. Do good. This is toward the person who has harmed us. We need to bless. And we need to pray for them. That's part of forgiveness. That's how you return good for the evil done to you. You can pray for God to bless them. You can pray for God to bless their life when you know that you have genuinely forgiven them. That's kind of the forgiveness test. When you're able to pray for a person, you've done all the other things, you know, you've tried to reconcile, you've brought the situation up, you've tried to uproot, you know, the, the root cause of the problem, you've tried to come to a mutual agreement, and then, and automatically, you know, you may not feel any different. As I said, it, it's not, it's a decision. It's, it's not a feeling. But when you can genuinely, with a sincere heart, like we talked about this morning in prayer, really pray for that person from your heart. Want good for them. Pray that the Lord would bless their life. Pray that the Lord would, would, um, Give them what they need to fulfill the destiny that the Lord has for them. Then you can really know that you're on the right track of genuine forgiveness. So you might say, but you don't know how that person hurt me. No, we don't. And each of us are sorry for the hurt that has been perpetrated upon one another. But we're never going to get on with our life unless we let go. And turn it over to God. Unless we forgive and let it go. Not forget it, but relinquish my right to get even. And respond evil with good. I remember um, in another teaching, this woman had, um, had a lot of depression. And just couldn't find joy or happiness. And um, nothing was helping her. She went from doctor to doctor and prescription to prescription, and just wasn't getting any better. But she went to this one doctor uh, this one day and told her story. And her story was you know, she had a very unhappy marriage, and her husband wasn't abusive, but her husband, um, she felt, really didn't love her, really didn't care for her, really never expressed, they didn't communicate. And she had a right to be angry, and she had a right to be down and out about this because she knew she deserved more than that. And this doctor said to her, we'll, we'll say her name was Lois. The doctor said, Lois, do you want to be well or do you want to be right? And I think 
I think that there's so much wisdom in that. Sometimes we hold on to things that tear us down. We hold on to things that keep us from experiencing the joy of the Lord or the joy of our families or the joy of our children or grandchildren, um, the joy of the Lord's word. We just can't seem to grasp it because we hold on. We hold on to the past. We hold on to those words spoken. We heard, hold on to the alienation that has happened in relationships. And part of us really don't want to let go. And so we don't let go. And so we stay there. But I think that question, do you want to be well? Or do you want to be right? She kept saying, I know I'm right. I know I'm right about this. I'm right, aren't I? And whether she was right or not was immaterial, irrelevant. Because it was hanging on to that, well, I'm right. And I have a right to feel this way, be this way, say this. Is making her sick. Is keeping her in the throes of, of depression, of darkness, of that cloud hanging over her. So I think that's something, it's something that I've always remembered. And I, I think there's a lot of wisdom in it. Do you want to be right or do you want to be well? So we say, well, how can I do that? Well, there's only one possible way. We have to be filled with the love of Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says, love keeps no record of wrong. So while I'm keeping records of wrong, I'm being unloving. On the other hand, when I let it go and I bless those who hurt me, that means I'm filled with love. You say, I can't do that. Well, you're right. We can't do that. We can't do that of our own power, of our own might. That's why we all need Jesus Christ. That's why we need to build that relationship with him that we talked about this morning in prayer. We need to communicate. We need to come to know him, and we want him to come to know us. There's no way <clears throat> you can have that kind of love in your heart to do what the forgiveness is calling us to do on our own. Only the love of God inside of us, filling you, filling me, can give us that kind of love. There is no way we can do it on our own. We have to have Jesus giving us the day-by-day -day love to forgive. And then the third, repeating the process. I repeat the process as long as necessary. Forgiveness is never or rarely a one-time shot. It's rarely a one-time event. As I said earlier, oftentimes we see it happening. This has happened, and we look back and say, yes, this did happen before, or it happened before, because we never dealt with the root. Forgiveness goes on and on. How often do I have to do this? How often do I have to keep releasing my right to get even? How often do I have to keep blessing them when they do evil? Until the pain stops? Until you stop feeling the hurt? And then you'll know you're forgiven them? But what? But what did Jesus say? When Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, Jesus replied, 70 times seven. So we see it's un, it's, there's no end to it. Jesus just didn't mean 490 times. You know, he meant as often as you had have to do it. So it's not always possible. It's not always advisable that you go physically back to the people who hurt you. But whenever possible, that is always the best way.
Now, let's say the person that you're holding on to that's, that's holding you down doesn't live in the city, doesn't live anywhere near. Um, let's say the person died. Sometimes we hold on to unforgiveness and hurt and bitterness when somebody's passed away. We never had an opportunity or we never took the opportunity to resolve it, to take care of it. So this is one way that uh, doctors have found helpful to some people. So one of the things you can do is the technique, they call it the technique of the empty chair. So if you find that it is someone that you're not able to come face to face with because of distance or because they've passed away. So you set an empty chair in front of you and you imagine that person in it. You might say, God, I don't know where they are and I don't know if I would even be the right, if it would even be the right thing to talk to them. Suppose it stirs up a hornet's nest. But right now, I'm going to try. I'm imagining that person right here. So in your mind's eye, as best you can, you, you picture that person sitting in that chair. You think about what you're holding on to, what you're holding on to, what, whatever that what might be words, it might be actions that that person said or did. And then you make a decision, not a feeling, a decision. Make a decision. I'm going to forgive this person because that's what Jesus calls me to do. So you say, I forgive you. Let's say it's Tom. I forgive you, Tom, in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm giving up my right to get even. I'm letting it go. I'm asking you to help me because I want, then you're talking to the Lord now. I'm asking you, Lord, to help me. Bless this person. And then you just take some time and listen. Listen. And then as best you can, you pray prayers of blessing. Lord, I want you to bless Tom. I want you to help me to live in forgiveness. I want you to prosper him. I want you to heal him in ways that he needs to be healed. We need to forgive and we need to let go, more so for your sake than for Tom's. More so so that it doesn't keep dragging you down. More so that it doesn't cause you to live in a state of darkness or depression. These steps that we talked about are not easy, but with God's power, we can do it. There's a line in a song that says, we can't just trust our feelings. We have to stand in the Lord. That's the only way we're going to get past the forgiveness barrier. You might say, I don't feel like forgiving. Well, who does? When you've been hurt, who feels like forgiving? Most people don't. Nobody ever feels like forgiving. You do it because it's the right thing to do, and you do it to get on with your life. We have to stand in the Lord. We need to make the decision. So what is the secret of genuine forgiveness? Remember how much we've been forgiven. That's the secret. Remember how much we have been forgiven by God. Remember what it cost Jesus to forgive us. Remember all the things we have done. We're not spotless. 
We're not blameless. We've hurt people in our life. Colossians 3.13 says, Remember the Lord forgave you so much so that you are to forgive others. That's in Colossians 3.13. Okay, so in closing, the secret of forgiveness. We remember, and you want to fill this in, that God has forgiven you, and you'll never have to forgive anybody more than God has forgiven you. That's under the secret of forgiveness. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. Bitterness makes you miserable. It doesn't work. We don't want to be bitter. We want to change that I to an E and be better. Forgiveness is a two-way street, and you're going to need more forgiveness in the future. We pray the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us. You might think, I could never forgive this certain person. Then we have to again remember how much God has forgiven us. There's an amazing truth that happens when you hold on to a hurt. The more you hold on to the hurt, the more you focus on the offender. And the more you focus on the offender, the more you actually move toward them. Any psychology book will tell you that whatever you focus on, you move toward and you start becoming like that person. Here's the point. If you don't release them, you end up resembling them. You hear people say, I'll never be like my mother. Well, I don't have to say any more. The more you focus on the very per person who hurt you, the more you become like them. We have to let it go. And there's not a better time to start than right now. On the bottom of your secret of forgiveness... I'd like you to jot this down as something to remember. Holding on to unforgiveness doesn't make you strong or better. It makes you bitter. Forgiving doesn't make you weak. It sets you free. Okay, so those of you who would like to pray a prayer of release and renewal, of restoration and forgiveness, we can do that right now. So if you'd like, I'd like you to think of the person who hurt you the most. Bring that person into your, into your mind's eye. And 
pray this after me. Dear God, you know how I've carried unforgiveness in my heart. I've held on to hurts and memories. And I have secretly wanted to get even. But today, I want to let it go. I want to get on with your plan for my life. So in spite of how I feel, I want to do the right thing. Today, right now, I forgive, and then in your heart, speak the name of the person you're forgiving. I relinquish my right to get even with that person. I let go of my right to get even. I pray that you would work in their life. And I commit to continuing to forgive them until I no longer feel the desire to seek revenge. Jesus Christ, please replace my hurt with your peace and fill my life with your love. In your name I pray. Amen. So, Lord, we thank you for what you've told us today. We thank you, Lord, that you give us a way out of unforgiveness, that you give us a way out of the things that we hold on to, that tear us down, that follow us around like a dark cloud, that cause sadness and regret and bitterness and depression. We thank you that you call us out of that into the light, that you call us out of that into the power of your spirit that will help us do what we cannot do on our own, that will help us forgive, that will help us make that decision, and that will help us let go so that we can move on to what you have in store for us, so we can move on to accomplish the destiny that you have for each and every one of us. We thank you that you have heard our prayer, that you have received our prayer. We thank you, Lord, that you are doing a work within our hearts, even now as we pray. We ask, Lord, that you bless each one of us, bless the rest of our time together, and continue to speak your word, to fill us with your love, and draw us closer and nearer to you each day in prayer. And we pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. Thank you. take about uh, 15 minutes uh, just to talk about the things that maybe spoke to you through the teaching. <laughs>